What's going on guys? My name is Elden Hero and welcome to episode 7 of my review series for 13 Reasons Why. Uh, we're doing pretty well, over halfway through this series now and I'm really happy with the responses so far. It's really awesome and really motivating to see how much you guys are enjoying it. Like for um, how many people are sticking with it and how many like nice comments and tweets and posts on the subreddit I'm getting and stuff like that. So um, just really thank you for all of that. That's uh, that's really, really nice. And it's really cool to see that people are watching it at the same pace as me just to see what I'm going to say about it. So um, thank you. Like that really does mean a lot. Um, if you want to continue the support, like I am obviously just going to be eternally grateful. So if you want to leave a like on the video early on, uh, it would really help me out. I know that's the thing that all YouTubers say. It's really going to help out. And usually I don't give a shit. Like, I don't care if you like or dislike the midnight hour or anything like that. But in this context, it actually does help out. So that would be pretty cool. So anyway, let's get into the review for this episode. Hannah's intro in this episode is about loneliness and how we're more likely to die younger if we feel lonely. There's this neat scene where the camera sails around Clay's room before slowly fixating on him, and you can see specks of dust flying around in the room. I'm not a film student or like a media journalist or anything like that, but I think that this does a pretty neat job of showcasing Clay's loneliness, just having him sitting there idly while dust dances around his head, especially when Hannah adds there are plenty of ways to feel alone, which I think drives at the point that yes, Clay has friends and lives with his parents, but it's clear that there's something falling apart within him and his moods seem to get darker and darker with each episode. In an argument that takes place in Clay's kitchen between his mother and father, we learn that Hannah slit her wrists and bled out in a bathtub. I don't really know what to do with that information, but I guess it does answer a niggling question that's been floating around the back of my mind since I started watching. I think it's because there was still like maybe 1% of me that was clinging on to the idea that she got murdered, but I guess that completely kills off that notion. Clay walks down the hallways of Liberty High and sees a young girl hammering on Hannah's locker. He loses his cool and asks her what she's doing, only to learn that she's new, obviously, because about 50% of the people in this show are new to this school. I don't know if it's worth mentioning, but there's a little Hannah monologue after this where she says that overbearing loneliness can leave you with nothing and make you feel like you're drowning. If you plant that reflection onto Clay's character, I think it paves the way for a more decisive and brutal version of Clay. I also think that they're teasing this. The fact that he lost his cool with the new kid is not something that Clay would have done, like the Clay from episode one. He was calm and suppressed and reserved in the past. Like he was clearly sad, but he didn't have any visible angst. The tapes have woken Clay up to a much more complex reality, and as he listens on, he learns that he may very well be the subject of this episode's tape. From the viewer's perspective, it seems more likely that she's talking about Zach Dempsey than Clay, and sure enough, we revisit the fallout from Marcus's aborted first date with Hannah, where Zach returns and sits in front of her, looking sympathetically at her. I didn't mention this in the last episode because A... Truthfully, I forgot Zach's name, but B, I knew that it would be fleshed out in this episode because they just left it hanging and I, I kind of felt like there was no real point in me discussing it because what could I add other than Zach sits down in front of Hannah, end of scene. Zach doesn't say much while he sits there, but he seems to help her in some way. Like she's in need of help at this stage and I guess he is all that she's got. 
I think the Elden Eero of three or four episodes ago would have been open-minded about this turn of events, but as this is his tape and he's wearing that jock jacket and talking about how inspired he is by Bryce Walker, I have no doubt that this will end in even more tears. Hannah obviously agrees with me as Zack attempts to join her for lunch in the cafeteria the next day, but Hannah shuts him down. He says he likes her and he wanted her on his dollar valentine list it's kind of funny hearing him say that so sincerely <laughs> but um he says that he likes hannah for more than just her great ass which is like a triggering comment for hannah and she tells him to go away this causes a bit of a stir because she raised her voice as she said it and zach retreats over to his jock bros but they all start making disparaging remarks about him and he storms out of the building hannah with a sense of foreboding tells him he should have let it go this is in the uh, Hannah talking in the tapes. She's like, you should have let it go. There's a scene where Clay walks home towards his house and he sees his dad sitting on the steps. This is the first moment of sincerity I think these guys have shared since the show began. He makes some intellectual quips which show his endearing nerdiness, but his attempts to get Clay to talk about anything are in vain. I can't help but blame him for this, and I don't really know if that's the appropriate reaction. I guess I feel like father characters in these TV shows are just pathetic, and this guy is doing nothing to convince me otherwise. He suggests that Clay may be having his nightmares again, which is interesting, because we knew that Clay has had troubles in the past because we saw the pills, but I just assumed it was depression or like low mood disorder, because that seems, you know... Um, he's definitely emanating a, a really obvious low mood. But nightmares? Nightmares suggests it's something else. Like, when you combine it with Clay's tendency to zone out of a conversation and, I mean, blatantly suffer from auditory hallucinations. Well, did Hannah ever really exist? <laughs> Seriously, though, Clay continues to show his conversational mastery as he fobs his dad off and heads out alone at night once again. He gave him some story, like, I'm going to the basketball game. One of my friends is playing. Clay attends the Liberty High basketball game between the Liberty High Tigers and the Tree Hill Ravens. And that is a joke that I've put in here for literally one specific viewer, and he knows who he is. Anyway, Marcus is very jittery at the sight of Clay and wants to know what his play is. This sums Marcus's personality up perfectly. The fact that he said, what's your play? Everything is a play. Everything is strategy, manipulation, and social engineering with Marcus. Tyler asks if he can get a photo, and Marcus goes nuts at him, implying that there is no way that will ever happen. But then Mr. Porter arrives, and Marcus immediately changes his tune, and he wants a photo. He's so brazenly two-faced, and we all know someone like that in real life. There's a moment before a kickoff, or whatever it's called in a basketball game, where Clay appears to remain on the court. Zack tells him to get off the court, as does Justin even more aggressively, but Clay continues to slowly creep forward. As Zack approaches Clay, he's met with Clay's right fist as Clay floors him. I am embarrassed to tell you how much I popped during this scene. Like, I audibly cheered. I fist pumped. I was so happy with Clay's sharp turn to aggression. But I'm even more embarrassed to tell you that this scene got me, and it was a vision, it was a daydream. Maybe it was even one of Clay's nightmares, uh, but either way, it didn't really happen. And I'm usually so good at predicting those, but this scene sucked me in. 
Moments later, as Clay sits in the stands, which is what I call them, the ball lands in his lap. He stands up to throw it back, and this time, he throws it directly at Zach. And this time, I assured myself, this time, it's the real deal. But nope, I got bamboozled once again, and Clay is in full-on imaginary mode here. We get a flashback to Hannah checking her compliment box, which is like... In their communications class, they all have a box, which they're all located over at the same side of the room, which I think would be really problematic when it comes to actually dropping a compliment into someone's box. But it's the idea is this, you know, everyone puts a compliment in, people get to read it, they get the self-esteem boost. Um, obviously, it was dreamed up by someone who has never been in secondary school before. But eventually, we learn that Zach has been stealing whatever compliments people left in there. So she wouldn't get any more pictures of bunnies because that was the main theme of her compliment box. Hannah writes Zach a letter where she apparently poured out her heart and she puts this letter inside of her own compliment box. This was a reckless decision given the subject and Zach finds it, reads it and just discards it right there in the corridor and it's pretty sad. Hannah confronts him in the school hallway and Zach just runs away. Back to the basketball game and Zach is, for want of a better term, killing it. He smashes basket after basket and the crowd chant his name. This sends Clay into like a frenzy, like his mind is just running crazy here. And it culminates in a hallucination of Hannah's lifeless body, complete with bloody wrists and open scars lying in the middle of the court. Clay yells at everyone to stop. The game literally stops. All eyes are on Clay and sadly this time... The scene doesn't return to where it was. This is something that's really happening. And I have to actually say this is kind of important because Clay is obviously aware of the fact that the nightmares exist. Going forward, nightmares is the term that I will use to describe whatever troubles he had in the past. So he knows that they exist. He knows that they have previously been a part of him. And yet he wasn't able to reconcile that knowledge with this vision, right? So he wasn't able to say, for example, there is Hannah on the basketball court. This must be in my head because I have just imagined myself punching Zach, throwing the ball at Zach, and now I'm imagining Hannah's lifeless corpse bleeding out on the floor. But he reacts to it as though it's real. Like he doesn't rationalize it in his head. And that tells me that this disorder or whatever his troubles are, are definitely out of control and definitely overtaking him. Clay exits the gym in a panic and immediately starts keying Zach's car. He has a calming little discussion with Skye here. I think she's supposed to serve as the ghost of Christmas future for Clay. Like that's what he's going to end up as if he continues this path of righteous anger and his quest for vengeance. Skye tells him to stay angry and it's kind of comforting knowing that she's there. We get a flashback to Hannah at Monet's waiting for Jessica. Jessica isn't coming or replying to Hannah's texts and Hannah bemoans her lack of friends in the in the cassette tape. It's an intense scene and the music is ominous, but I'm wondering why Hannah isn't hanging out with Clay here. Like, it seems she's written him out of her life because of events in the previous episode, which would be that he didn't ask her out on a date while they were working at the cinema. Like, I'm not sure. I don't understand the, the dynamic here. I don't get why Hannah and Clay are all of a sudden strangers. I guess they have mutual disappointment of their lack of a relationship. But, I mean, surely someone here has to take the first step. And seeing as Hannah seemed very tuned into the type of character that Clay is, his type of his personality type, what he's like, I feel like she could have made an effort here. 
Clay gets woken up by his father sternly urging him to come downstairs, where he's met by Zack and his mother. They're looking for answers about the keyed car. After some petty arguing, Clay announces that he did it. He keyed why me into Zack's car. As Clay's mom invites Zack and his mother inside, Clay and Zack talk for a moment outside the house. Zack says that Hannah lied about him throwing away the note and shows Clay that he still has it. This is another huge curveball thrown at my perception of what's truly happening here. It's another character calling the narrator a liar and challenging our understanding of events. It's a seriously interesting problem. Clay's response is our response. He's deeply puzzled. We experienced this entire thing through Clay, and now he's feeling the same way that we are. Zack says, I'm sorry, Clay. I'll always be sorry, and all of my expectations have been subverted as I find myself feeling sorry for Zack. One thing I'll say about this show is that the characters are really good. I mean, look, it's nonsense that we're watching a bunch of actors with an average age of probably 25 playing teenagers, but the characters themselves and the way they continuously and believably subvert the expectations are really well done. The idea of making a show where every character is seen through two separate filters, like two separate characters with two separate subjective interpretations of the world around them, is actually really clever because it gives us results like this. My reaction at the start of this episode when I said that this is going to end in tears, I, 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 I shouldn't feel sympathy for Zack, I'm with Hannah here, that's changed now. I, like I wrote that in real time as I watched the scene. Like, I, I react to each thing, and that's how I end up with these notes. And that was my gut reaction, and now it's completely changed. This is this scene, like, the way that Zack presents his emotion and seems to combine it with just his lack of understanding, maybe even his lack of social education. I don't know, there's something quite poignant about this scene. Clay tells his parents that he has to return the tapes to Tony because... It's his turn to do the project, and Clay has done as much as he can do, and he gets a lift right up to Tony's house. Tony is in the driveway washing his car, and I laughed so hard. There's also another little scene in this where, where uh, Clay tells Tony what he's done to Zach's car, and Tony is like, Whoa, you do not mess with another man's wheels. <laughs> it's just, Tony's character is actually hilarious. I'm not even angry at him anymore. Anyway, Clay is struggling to deal with the weight of the world, and he doesn't like being fixated on how cruel it can be because he literally can't handle it. There's a real sense that any further listening will push him over the edge. Tony is not happy but he does reveal that he didn't know that Zack kept the letter. What's interesting here is that Tony doesn't even challenge this notion. He doesn't argue that Zack couldn't have kept the letter or that Hannah was definitely telling the truth. Clay tells Tony that he's starting to see why Hannah did what she did, which puts his worldview into perspective here. Everything that Hannah has explained so far, Clay has basically personified for her. Like he has experienced almost everything that she has, at least to the degree that he could physically. When she was talking about her loneliness and saying, you don't know what it's like to be on the sidelines, Clay was literally standing on the sidelines of the basketball court, all alone in a sea of people. Clay returns the tapes and leaves. It's Monday morning and Clay rolls into school with a smile on his face. He says hello to people, like it seems like this huge weight has been lifted. He's noticeably more colourful. Um, as he opens his locker, there's feedback on the tannoy, and Hannah's voice 
fizzles into focus from a fuzzy signal as she reads the tape intro. It's clear that this is another one of Clay's episodes, and as he comes back to reality, he reveals to the communications class that Hannah was the one who wrote the note that was discussed earlier in the episode about not feeling anything. Before the teacher can respond, Mr. Porter informs Clay that he has to go and show the foreign exchange students around the school, which he does in the most sarcastic manner possible. Like, his sarcasm is enjoyable and almost charming at first, and it seems to tap into his newfound good mood. But then it becomes clear that he's flying off the handle. He points to the suicide prevention posters and how they only went up after Hannah killed herself, and that she did it because everyone in the school treated her like shit. He promises the truth will come out in a rant directed squarely at the assembling line of jock bros and also Tony. Mr. Porter tells him to go to his office immediately and the episode ends up with Justin saying, Okay, new game. So this was a great episode. I'm really enjoying Clay's evolution or devolution or his devolution into his evolution i'm not sure but he's a really good character and the actor is is great too it's a testament to how sucked in i got to that scene where he punches zach because i spot those scenes like a mile away usually but i'm so eager to see the development of his character and to see the arc being completed that i just i wanted it to be true i wanted the immediate gratification of, of being able to see how his character unfolds right there in front of me. His development from Wallflower to unhinged yet strangely organized Madman has been really great to watch, and I'm actually glad that I have another six episodes left to get to see how it plays out. I struggled to keep interest in this show after the first couple of episodes, but I'm glad that I did now. Like, once you let your guard down and stop cynically observing all of the faults, it's actually really enjoying and captivating. And I'm glad that you guys are enjoying listening to me review it. So that's the end of this episode. If you have any comments at all, anything, any opinions about the show itself or, or my uh, review, maybe the structure of my review, anything like that, please do let me know. I've been Eldenero. Thanks for listening.